Hello, and welcome to Out in the Woods. I am your host, JD. And with me, back again, the dynamic duo returned. I guess he was here all along, but we finally kicked out that other person. Nico is back. Nico, how the hell are you? I'm good. I'm good. Happy to be alive. That's a hey, ain't that the truth, man? It mm. is. Nothing it's, but. It's been uh, it's been a week, indeed. I think we've all had a little bit of traveling. I had a good week. Oh, yeah. good. Would you like to Would you like to share? No, I just uh, um, I think there was there was a breaking point for me in my teenage years, of where my football team lost and like i just couldn't continually like be upset anymore that they would lose so i just like it's not that i don't care but um it does not affect me anymore so like it, i i uh i still had a great great week with everything um yeah i, I went to austin good it sounds like a fun time it's a very interesting city as as we've it talked is. about as we've talked about on the podcast did you i'm trying to think uh what's some very awesome things to do did you go to what is it lake travis or what's the river that i, goes I did austin? know i did how did you know that mm. i don't know i was just i was trying to think of like things mm. that people do in austin and it was uh it was like stand up no, well, paddle so no way we i mean let me rephrase that i went to someone's house who lives basically next to lake travis who went to lake oh, okay. travis high school okay so I, I i was i was pretty close then that's like i don't know why but whenever i think of like things to do in austin it's like 6th street and going down to the river or the lake or whatever and like I don't know, fighting off homeless people. Yeah, I, I, I'm not even gonna lie. I just stayed at my friend's house the entire time. Oh, well. We thought about going out, but decided not to. So. Well, that sounds like a wonderful, relaxing weekend. I yeah, how I was cannot, yours? It was good. I cannot say the same. Uh, we had Tanner and a mutual friend watch the game, which. Any sports with him is always going to be intense, but especially when the Aggies are playing. Um, so that that was a little bit of a downer on Saturday, but a buddy of mine texted me Friday. His name's Bolty. He texted me Friday, and he said, are you at the ranch? I said, yes. He said, great. I'm driving from Denver to McAllen. Can I stop in? So we got up at like 4 in the morning Saturday and drove to the ranch, and we had a couple beers. And we went in town and two-stepped and listened to some live music and went out to the, the local watering hole, and it was a good time. It was a, it was a wonderful weekend. I definitely need to not drink for a couple of days. A week. <sighs> yeah, probably. I have a, a scheme, I went to though. bed at four. Why? Last night? No, uh, Saturday night. 
and I woke up at seven to watch the F one race. What? What were you doing at four in the morning? Uh, that might be a tricky question. What were we doing? No, we were. Uh, <laughs> I honestly, I don't know. It went from like one to four, like super fast. Just, just like, but uh, chilling, hanging out. Yeah, I was just drinking in the hot tub. I don't. Oh, that'll get you, man. Dude, it was so hot out of town. Yeah, I've never been in a hot tub that actually was like too hot. Yeah, and drinking in a hot tub is like it's. I think it actually is dangerous, but I'm saying it less is like literally dangerous. But like the heat and you're sitting down in the water, just kind of like I don't know. It's another like sensory thing, and so I just don't think you realize how drunk you're actually getting. And then you get out and you stand up and you're just blasted yeah um it goes it's kind of what happened Uh and then i didn't want to like be rude um so i didn't i didn't go to bed till everyone had left who wasn't staying yep that's a tricky situation Hmm. that's good though that's good uh, good for you for for staying up and holding out I feel like if you're I staying just, at the house, you got to be like a, a decent co-host, I suppose, or great. I, I I just <laughs> I always feel bad because like there's so many times I'll I'll, I'll drink until like two a.m. or I used to at least, and I would wake up at like eight, seven, eight, and not like not even like have any like not feel <laughs> like any remote symptoms <laughs> uh. comparatively to you. We need to do we need to do like a blood transfusion or something. What blood type are you? Uh I have no clue. Oh, that's not good. Well, I haven't needed it yet, so I I really I don't maybe know. Maybe it has something to do with blood types. I could see that, maybe. And it's like I don't understand because even out here, I drink I drink I drink so much water. Like, I drink so much water, and I make sure, like, I'm eating plenty of salt. I'll have little hydration packets and stuff. And, like, I still get hangovers. You know? And it's sometimes, like, sometimes I don't get a hangover, and I probably should. And sometimes it's, like, two beers, and I wake up with a headache. I'm just like, what is going on? <sighs> I, 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 I feel bad for you. No, I don't know uh, how you continually do it, man. Beauty is pain. My favorite thing is everyone always said, oh, it's because you're still young. It's because you're still young. Well, now I'm not. And it's still the same. Nico, you are 23 years old. I, oh, wait, everyone I would says, say because, that's pretty young. But no, it was, everyone in college was always like, oh, wait till you turn 21. And then it was like, wait till you graduate. And those things have happened. And I still don't get hangovers. We'll check back in when you're 30, and then we'll see. This could be like a long, the on-running experiment. What if we're still doing the podcast and we're both 30? Um, I might not even be alive then, man. Well, I might not either, but if we are, we could still be podcasting, and we could have more than – actually, we, our listenership has been pretty good. Talked with a lot of people recently about it, and um, thank you, listeners. This one's to you. 
just know I see those numbers. I know I talk to people who are listening and I don't know how Nico feels, but I certainly appreciate the listens. So thank you. We're trying to be better. Maybe. Maybe. Um, trying to segue. There is no hangover for me this morning. Uh, have you, you know who Theo Vaughn is, right? Uh, the comedian's got a mullet, kind of a dirty goatee. Nope. You, you really don't? Maybe I'd recognize. I'm not really that into comedians, fun fact. Yeah, I mean, do you ever get on like Instagram, look through reels? No, because I just get on TikTok. You oh, know okay. Him, well, man. yeah. If you're if they, you're on TikTok, then you definitely know who Theo Vaughn is. I'm gonna send you a picture of. I him. don't think so. Or just yeah, Google him. Look up a picture. Oh, of Theo I hate this guy. Really? Yes. Anyways, he, I, I see little clips of him here and there, and he was recording a podcast with someone, and they're like, "Hey, tell him about your friend." And he was like, "I had a friend who killed someone." And it was like kind of got serious. And he was like, wow, I've talked with him about it. And this is not the guy to lie about these kind of things. But he said it was the most react relaxing thing that he's ever done. And I thought that was a weird take on killing someone. But then last night, I did not kill someone. I shot a pig. And I was walking home. And I thought about that clip. And I was like, you know, maybe that guy's onto something. So I'm curious because, like, like we've talked about buck fever, what, and we've talked about like nerves going into hunting. What happens immediately after you? Like for me, last night I saw that thing drop, and I was like super nervous. Like I was breathing hard, my heart was pounding. Pulled trigger, shot it, it dropped, and I knew it was dead. Like it was there, dead. And like walking home or walking back to the house to go get the Kubota, I was like, no nerves, like super calm. I was like, huh, maybe that guy was onto something. So I'm curious your thoughts on that. Not about killing people, but that kind of like post-shot calmness. I think you're a psychopath. Well, how do you feel after you shoot something? Um... My first thought is always to cock my gun and get back on said animal. Sure. And then when it's down, um, I uh, kind of am just uh, happy that I didn't miss and disappoint my father <laughs> after all the training he gave me. Yeah, but I mean, I, I like, is that not like a, like a kind of relaxing feeling? Like it's done. Yeah, I guess. Work's been and then put I, in. You know, and then you, I, you've I, I, your reward. I guess so, be. but I wouldn't call it like, personally for me, I wouldn't call it like a calming, like sense of tranquility or anything. It's not like I'm doing yoga. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. But, like, just the whole relaxing thing, and maybe it's just the fact that, like, I still, it doesn't matter what I shoot, whether it's a 
squirrel or a deer or porcupine or whatever, like I get super nervous right before I pull the trigger and I have to just set, like tell myself like, okay, we've done this before. I have to sit there and breathe, breathe, breathe and like steady the nerves, but I'm still super nervous. And then I shoot and the thing's dead and you're like, okay. And then like that, like, I don't know. All the nerves are gone. I'd, that that to me, like last night, it was just super relaxing. I was like, wow. Crazy. I think the most nervous for me that I've ever been, and I like, I probably ever will be, was track. And I got that way in track, but really, I really can't compare anything to that. It's you probably the same for, thing, like, just like with different track meets and stuff. Like, Dude, I run? it's not even like I cared about it. It was just like. Like waiting in line for your heat and then getting in the blocks is just so it, it just made me so nervous. It was like more more than anything. Like realistic and I didn't even care if I won or lost, honestly. But like I I it, it always made me so nervous. I hated it. I hated that feeling. My mom Very used weird. to throw up before her tennis meets. She would get so nervous. Um, but that was actually why I stopped running like actual like heats and started doing just the four four by four relay, which is because I didn't have to actually start. <laughs> oh, so you would be one of the you know second to fourth. I was second, races. yeah, or second or fourth, yeah. So would then I had to worry about the start. Would would that not make you nervous? Like seeing the first leg come up, and like you know you're like okay, I need to start running now, and I gotta grab the baton or whatever in the four by four it's not nearly as complicated oh interesting it is no like lanes there's no like area where you have to pass it in between it's pretty straightforward huh it's 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 not you we don't even practice it in the four by four really yeah no i don't i never because you kind of just usually it's mainly because after a quarter of a mile the person's kind of just dead. So you kind of just start like skip hopping is what we called it kind of when sure. they finish. And they're like, they just want to get off the track. Like they just busted. Yeah. Cause I guess. And it's, so they just kind of like hand it to you. So you just kind of like start skipping sprint, forward. Basically. Yeah. Or it is a sprint. Yeah. But I didn't get nervous for that because either we would be close to the lead or in the lead. And I just had to, you know, basically keep, position or we were like losing terribly and it didn't matter i mean i i I just have to run my best but it's not going to change much (laughs) yeah fair enough interesting i never knew that you were super nervous about track or you got super nervous it was it's just track man and like football not not i mean football i was nervous but not like 10 times worse for track i i don't understand why like the act of getting into blocks always made me nervous. Interesting. I wonder. I wonder if that like started super early on. Like maybe, maybe like the first or second time you did it, you weren't actually nervous. But then something happened before you did it another time, and it made you super nervous. And then the next time you went up you just started thinking about how nervous you were and you got like stuck in that loop um probably uh it was probably the first time i ran hurdles that was probably it mm. if anything 
I uh I was winning and I fell on the last one. Oh, that's rough, man. It was my first time running them too, so. So that's pretty good. The fact that you got it, it. The crazy thing about, I mean, the crazy thing about that is like, I was going, like, I was I I wasn't feeling anything. I was just flying. I was doing good, and when I fell, and caught back up, like my legs were like gelatin. I like could oh, barely like man. run again. It's like this is awful. There's kind of something I think that might just be like an actual. I don't know what to call it. That happens out here at the ranch. Uh, like whenever people come out here for the first time, um, depending on the person, this isn't everyone, but we've had people come out here a lot and they're like waking up early and they're just wanting to do everything like super stoked, like golden retriever level of happy to be here kind of thing. Like super, super excited. And they love riding the mini bikes. They get all excited about it. And then they will crash. And it won't be a bad crash. Like they might have some scrapes or cuts or something. And after that happens, they just like mellow out. Like to the point of like, I'm going to go take a nap or, you know, I'm going to go to bed early at night. Like they just kind of stop. So they're riding on all of this, uh, I guess, just adrenaline or whatever. They're just going, 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 going. And then something happens and it just like kills the mood. I see. I mean, I just like the thing that I never understood was like at least regarding track. It's like it's not like it's a performance. It's like you're gonna run as fast as you can, and you either like I mean that's just all the best you can do. It's <laughs> there's yeah. nothing else you can do. So I never really understood why I would get so nervous. It was just yeah. the like act of like when they like say like the whole set and then the gun. Like I just. Ugh. Maybe you haven't been like gun trained. I <laughs> I feel like if I did swimming, I probably would have. It would probably would have been in the same boat. I wonder the sorts are the same. I wonder if it's like a an individual competition kind of thing as opposed to a group. Because like you you said you'd still get nervous for football, but not as nervous. But then when you were at the relays, like you weren't, it wouldn't be as bad. I don't get nervous in chess. Okay. I'm also not competing (laughs) in tournaments. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. That's really interesting. Did you? Yeah, I'm trying to think of any other individual sports I participated in. Um,. Basket well, no, basketball was a team sport. And that was eighth grade, right? Is when you stopped. Yeah. Or I guess freshman year or whatever you want to call it. Um Yeah, I don't know. We really guess, didn't have many I mean, I didn't do... sports for for St. Anne's. Other than like I played tennis a little bit. That's kind of I, I guess weightlifting sport. is an individual sport. Did you do competitive weightlifting? No, I'm not saying that I did that, but mm. right? Isn't that an individual sport? I think so. It might be so like water skiing, um you compete individually, but when you compete individually, you also get points for your team. 
Right, right. Like track two. Yeah. 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 So maybe that's kind of what, what weightlifting is. That's what I would assume. Huh. Well, this episode's taken a turn. I, I, this has been a great conversation. I We don't really have, like, what other, what other individual sports were there? Um, I mean, so in that, in that field, you could consider it tennis, track, weightlifting, or powerlifting, whatever you want to call it. Swimming. As we talked about. But that could also be like a relay thing. But yeah, most of the time. Cycling. Did we compete though? Golf. Yeah. Yeah. Golf would be individual. I feel like golf, the adrenaline is just like so much lower as, yeah. like as a sport, though. It's so long. Yeah, it's more, it's like an endurance thing, kind of. Well, I don't really remember how we got onto this topic. Oh, we were talking about being nervous before you shoot something, and then you said being nervous before. Training. Yeah, yes. Um,. Okay, so what did you hear about my pig last night? Or who did you talk to? Uh, I heard from Noah and Tanner that you executed it. I, I, when Which I walked up to it, I, it was still there, so I shot I it. Um, it, was, it was there and flopping. And so I just, I had the pistola. So I gave it a little one-two punch i after i skinned it i realized i probably did not need to do it um but i did wow oh sorry i didn't want the thing to be alive anymore with a hole through it (laughs) that's why you're supposed to wait like 15 minutes before you go over there yeah then it's just sitting there yeah but then it dies like on its own is that better would you would you say dying on its own is better than dying quickly well usually they i mean usually it's still quickly but but the problem is usually like and this has happened to me once when like you walk up immediately after shooting it if it is still alive instead of like it's gonna take a lot longer now to die by itself so then you're gonna have to shoot it again because it's gonna Mm -hmm. hear you and it's gonna kick more adrenaline into it. I wonder if that but like most deer, if like taste. I I don't know. Interesting, um, but so I had just I've had a lot of trouble this week with my AR, right? And I got a thermal on it. Thermal's been great. Gun's been great. I've enjoyed getting to use it. Um, and I go out to shoot the other night because we finally had pigs. Like this is the first group of pigs that has been consistently coming in since the fire back in March. So a while. And I go out, take the thermal. Pigs are there. I sit down so I could steady my shot. And I shoot and I hear this like ping. And I just shoot and shoot. And I think I miss everything but I heard this weird noise and I walk up and I had shot the leg of our deer feeder. And I was like, this stinks. So now there's a giant hole in our leg. And then I've had it happen before where I've shot a pig and I'm like, man, I, I swore I would have hit that. And, 
I just kind of like wander around and there's no blood, but maybe 20, 30 yards away, there's a dead pig. So it's like, you, and so I, I did the same thing and I found the, I'm not joking, the tiniest, tiniest drop of blood. And I said, okay, something was bleeding, whether or not it was for me, because I've shot like the 7.62 does a pretty good job of, of putting a hole in things. So I was like, okay, whether or not this was for me is different, but I'm going to follow this trail and just see what I find. So I'm talking about like match head size drops of blood, like tiny little, tiny little things. And I follow this trail painstaking. I lose it. I'll find it. I'll lose it. I'll wander around. And then I find it like 20 yards away. Like I just somehow managed to keep following this. And eventually I follow it to a hole in our fence. And right at the fence, there's like not a pool, but a much larger glob of like fresh blood. And I'm like, okay, something was definitely bleeding. That was, it was the most blood that I had found was at the fence. I was like, it's obviously it made it this whole way and didn't bed down. So it's going to live. But, oh, I just had a thought go through my mind. But anyway, I thought maybe my scope's off was the moral of the story. And so I go out the next day or yesterday and set up my little ice cube so you can see it. And I shoot twice and both times hit it and are within maybe a quarter inch of each other. Like the circles overlap. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. And I look at my scope and the mount, the screws had stripped. And so one of the little rings that hold the scope on was loose, like really loose. And so I was like, this stinks. So shot the deer feeder, stripped out my scope mount, found a spare scope mount, popped that baby on. I was like, okay, maybe we'll go and it'll still be zeroed. I got one shot and the case jams in the gun. And in the process of getting it out, I broke my ejector. So I had to order a new ejector yesterday. Jeez, man. So if it, it was, rains, it pours. If it rains, it pours. But it kept pouring because we have this little motion light on our parking pad. And it's solar powered. It's not super bright, but it's like LED. And it just, whenever someone walks up, it turns on. And so I hijacked that and I put it in like the little box below the deer feeder. Um, and like made sure the solar panel was lined up and stuff. And it was just like a white light because I had used the green ones before and those were great. N nothing's really scared off by them. Um, so I was like, this will be really interesting to see. And last night I went out and there were five or six pigs underneath this white light and it doesn't stay on very long. So it was like flashing too. And they just did not care. And I, so that's when I shot the pig. So I just used like my deer rifle and you could see the thing super well. Um, I ended up getting a, you know, good enough shot to drop it. And yeah, I don't know. So I got a pig. What are you going to do with it? Um, so I kind of blew up the shoulders. So I didn't take the front shoulders. 
I skinned it to check and see how much fat was on it, and there was no fat. Um, and we also, I would have liked to have kept like one of the hams or two of the hams or something. Uh, we just don't have a refrigerator or a freezer. Like we have a little mini fridge and that's it. And so I got both back straps and halved them and then just wrapped them up in some saran wrap. And I'm going to, I'm going to braise them tonight. Nice. So I had, this is one thing I wanted to, how do you normally, cause you, we've talked about how the only thing that you'll kind of process, so to speak yourself is the back straps on like a deer. Mm-hmm. How do you normally get your silver skin off? Uh, that's a question for my dad. I mean, do you like, do you pull the back straps off fully? And then, I, and I, then deal I, with it? from to my memory, I think so. Okay. That's what I remember. So, and this might sound disrespectful to the pig, but it being a pig and while it being a pig and the fact that I was going to eat something on it, I was like, okay, I'm already doing pretty good. If I mess up some of this, I'm not going to cry. So I go to get the back straps and I get about halfway down one and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to cut these in half anyway. Why don't I try to remove the silver skin now? So like you have it hanging up by its hind legs, right? And you start slicing away the back strap. You know, this process you end up with just like a long hunk of meat, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'd gotten about halfway down and I just like let the part that I had already cut, I just kind of let it hang and I cut through until I got to the silver skin. You get what I'm saying? Kind of. Like, um, like the silver skins on the outside. Right, right, right. So this backstrap was attached to a pig and you kind of think about how you cut it and it eventually folds it kind of comes out and then you're looking at like the inside of like the backstrap or like where the meat is and there's no silver skin does that make sense Mm -hmm. okay so i i had cut i was gonna have them anyway so i cut through until i got to the backstrap and then i left it attached and just like with my knife just slowly started peeling the backstrap away. Like what I had already cut, like the half that was hanging there. I cut that away from the silver skin and it worked beautifully. It was like the easiest thing. Cause at that point it's still attached to the pig. Silver skin still attached to the pig. So like, you're not trying to fuss with it flying around everywhere. It was, I don't know why I'd never done that before. It worked so well. And then the other half of the backstrap, right, is still attached to the pig, but you have all of the silver skin to hold on to. So you have like a good grip on the part that's already cut off. And then you just slice it off and then you pull your backstrap out without any silver skin on it. I don't know if any of that made sense. I, I think it makes sense. I, I, I mean, I'm picture, I'm trying to picture it and I think, I think I understand. I'm interested to try it on a deer and see if that works but seeing how well it worked this time uh i was really happy 
Like I, I was, I was very surprised at how well it worked. And I got like, like for the most part, I was scraping up against the silver skin. So I was like, there was no meat that got cut off. Right. So I don't know. I know it sounded like it worked flawlessly. I, yeah, I, that's, I'm, I'm wondering if it was just a fluke. So if I get another pig or I'll, I'll probably just wait the, you know, 20 some odd days and get a deer, but we'll see. So how do you feel? Because obviously, uh, the moral implications of hunting are very different to some people and others. So like some people have no problem sitting in a blind, hunting a feeder, and other people think that is not hunting. And so they go and they, you know, they feel like the only hunting is wandering aimless, not aimlessly, but, you know, trekking out and carrying all your gear and stuff like that. And I'm not saying my opinion one way or the other, but there are different levels of like, that's not hunting to me. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, having heard my story about setting up uh, essentially like a parking light on our deer feeder and shooting pigs off of it, what do you think about that? I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily see something that as like, I'm not a big pro feeder guy, but I don't think that's the same thing because, um, I mean, I feel like pigs take, like, necessarily not more work, obviously, but they're a lot more inconsistent with showing up. So I wouldn't compare that the same. Fair enough. I also think about the number of times that I've seen pigs during the day. And it is it is minimal. I have at your place. Yeah, but like numbers of time during the day compared to like like shooting daylight, I guess, whether it's morning or evening, whatever, but compared to going out at night, like they're very nocturnal. True. So then what do you think? What do you think is a alternative? You don't have to have an answer for this right now, but obviously Texas is known for high fences and feeders and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. For someone who has access to a property, what do you think is a, a alternative that maybe is, I don't know, a little more honest hunt? If that makes I think sense. spotlighting's fine. I think I think using a thermoscope is worse. Really? I honestly, because they literally can't see, like you can see them perfect. That one time I used a thermoscope on three pigs. Yeah. I mean, I was twenty yards away, and like they yeah. they have no idea what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> I genuinely felt bad. Okay, like, but they, what? Like it was so unfair. Well, yeah. It is it having a thermal. I I enjoy using it, but at the same time, like, yeah, it's definitely it gets to a point where you're like, huh, this is kind of cheating. 
but I've never really been a fan of them. In the end, I mean, it was probably like using a thermal is probably safer than what I did last night, <laughs> which is a deer rifle and a, a cheap LED underneath the feeder. But um, so, I mean, but like, like shooting deer or a game animal. What do you think, like as a property owner, instead of sitting in a blind and hunting a feeder, do you just kind of recommend getting up, getting out, walking around? Well, I mean, like I know in Wisconsin, the way to do it is like with your group of people, you kind of walk through the woods in a line. Mm -hmm. And as you flush things, you either you get a glance either have like a decision to shoot it or not right um that's not possible in texas just because of the uh landscape i i don't really know of any alternatives uh in texas because it would be nearly impossible to track <laughs> or anything with in just the way the it's built so yeah i mean i feel like because, well, for me, I, I have a fair understanding of the trails that get used. So I guess maybe I could set up in like a tree stand or something or, or even just, you know. The problem is I think I know where they're going to be now, no matter what, whether at a feeder or not. Maybe not know where they're going to be, but I have a pretty good inclination as to what's going to be wandering what trail and so it's like do i just walk along that trail or do i post they definitely would stand? see you before you see them yeah exactly you know because we just like but i'm wondering i'm wondering what is more fair chase i mean i guess i could just like have a little siren on my head or something when i'm sitting in the tree stand I've never used a tree stand, so I I uh, I've got no advice there. I well, I, I guess I haven't either. I haven't either. But um, I feel like tree stands are mainly for bow hunters and stuff like that, though. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, which I part of me wonders why, but I also can probably think of a few different different reasons for that. Your new challenge should be trying to bait in a mountain lion. Apparently, we have those here. That's what you said. I, I don't believe it. Everyone keeps saying this. Uh, did I send you that video of the bobcats? Yeah. The three of them? I believe so. Okay. Just recently. I guess it, was, it would have been last night. Okay, no, they're not. <laughs> Um, MT Lion in interesting. Okay, this is a uh, this is from 2016. Oh, oh, shoot! This guy. Oh wait, that's when he joined. Yeah, this is from 2016. This is a, on discussion.texasbowhunter.com. And someone was saying I came back from a hunt 
And this other hunter stopped and said there was a, he saw a mountain lion behind the feeder, but he couldn't get a shot off. He had his bow. And this guy responded to that and said, they will drag your deer off. And it's a game camera photo of a mountain lion dragging like a full grown buck uh, right in front of a feeder, like dragging it by the neck. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't doubt it could do that. I just doubt they exist. Well, well, but I guess the point is, I'm saying that there are. This is this is in Coleman County, oh. or near near Coleman. Um, I got beef with mountain lions. What's your beef with mountain lions? I just always hear about them, and I've yet to see one. I mean, I, and I understand why if if they're out there, but. I want to see one. So what do you think about baiting in a mountain lion? It's going to be, I mean, almost impossible. Yeah. But what about the, what about the ethics of that? I don't think that's bad. Really? I mean, I don't know what we do with it unless it was a huge mountain lion. You can eat them. Uh, Yeah. Apparently you can eat hot ad too, which I, I've heard mixed reviews on. I, Again, was told not to. I gotta. I'm gonna. I just want to see one. But if I see one, I'm probably gonna shoot it because I'm gonna be scared. (laughs) Fair enough. But I mean, they range like what is their range? Like it's like a hundred miles. Like so, like not only do you need it to be somewhat close to your property, you need to be close enough where it would smell your bait, which is just. I think minuscule chances. Yeah, you know, I feel like it might be something that if you maybe got your neighbors involved, I don't even know what would you use to bait like jackrabbits. You probably just get coyotes at that point. Uh, they range from thirty to one hundred twenty-five square miles. So five by six mile area to ten by ten, ten by twelve. That's 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 sizable. That is a lot of area. That's what I'm saying. So if you yeah, if you got like your neighbors, if you got two neighbors involved, two to three, and you said, All right, we're gonna set up X mountain lion bait with a camera on it and see what comes in, then I think at some point, at some point, one of those cameras would go off with mountain lion, and at that point it's just hunting that location. And I don't really probably being unsuccessful most days. I feel like I'm I, I'm not I'm not doubting that there's some in Coleman County, but I would bet that it's very few. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um <clears throat> so um I have, uh, I briefly brought this up um, before the podcast, and then I said maybe we can save it. So uh, there is a knife maker, Josh Smith, great guy. He has a company called Montana Knife Company. They're they're doing really well, like all American made. They you know really work hard they make a really high quality product like and and josh again uh i think the youngest master smith ever 
or or maybe tied now, but I think he was the first one to set the current age record, if that makes sense. It was like 19, uh, maybe 20. But he posted a photo. Um, he, I guess, won a hunt in Spain through like a raffle or something. Um, goes in and talk about that. He said the first picture fallow deer shot on a completely legitimate spot and stock hunt. We snuck up on him, bedded down, made a perfect shot with my bow. Um, this is a part that I think is interesting. The second picture is a red deer stag that I shot from a blind over a feeder. Not at all what I consider a hunt. However, the owner of the property asked that I take this stag out because its genetics weren't great and they didn't want him breeding does. It's great practice with a bow and great field testing of arrows, broadheads, and knives. But I'll never call this kind of harvesting hunting. He goes on to talk about the rest of the trip. Um, I said most European hunting is high fence. I don't personally love the idea, but as I found out, it can be just as challenging as wild animals. Because he had tried to get another red deer spot and stock and did not. I think he he aimed low with his bow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious, because even, uh, like I read the Meat Eater book, and in the end, and I don't mean that as like a metaphorical thing, like this was the final pages of the book. Uh, Steve Ronello was talking about he he described high fence hunting as a limp dick excuse for hunting. So I'm curious if these are maybe like to me, that seems a bit much. I'm kind of in the, if you want to do it, do it as long as it's like, you know, a clean kill to me, that is what makes it bad. You know, does that make sense? I think so. I mean, I've, I'm not a fan of high fence either, but I feel like I feel like that you have like two two parties with the high fence, and that's either people who just have it because they can afford it and just want exotics on their property and just have them there, like mm-hmm. as a flex, and then you have other people who do it and then just try to make bank off of it by selling hunts and stuff, which I just. I mean, you can, uh, I mean, you know, you can literally like map and like, like a whole thing on the population of the property and they can't leave. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you know what's there. And so it's just unfair. I have nowhere to go. I mean, it's I'm basically never, no. farming, if you think about it. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, I, I like that comparison. I, I had never really thought about that. But then now I think about it, it's like, huh, you are kind of raising cattle at this point. Which I do know, um, I do know someone who has a high fence and they have a full breeder program um, for deer. And it's just family that 
hunt it, at least at the moment. I think the program's a couple years old. So they're definitely getting, like when I was last there, they had a first year buck that was scoring over 300. So they're already getting, I mean, if you, if that's, if that's the measure of your success and they're already getting very, you know, they're getting big deer. I don't know about body mass wise, but, uh, anyway, family's the only one that hunts it, maybe like close friends or something, but they also do a lot of, um, like charity hunts with wounded warriors or like wounded servicemen who maybe are in a wheelchair or are paralyzed or are missing an arm or stuff like that and can't get out and do these like spot and stock or stuff like that. So they'll take you out in a Polaris or something, get you to a, like a nice blind. I've seen the blinds are great. And that is like, that's that person's opportunity to hunt. Right. No, I, 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 uh, I'm totally for that. Uh, my dad guided, he helped guide this guy who, I'm trying to think of what was wrong. He was, I think he was a vet, but it was like, he couldn't, he couldn't sit, sit still. It's not like ADHD. It was like his, like, like Parkinson's. Like, I think it was Parkinson's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Thank you. And so like, he really wanted to shoot something, but it was kind of hard because I mean, he was not the quietest obviously because of it. But he was like super excited because they set him up somewhere where he could get something pretty easily, and he got a nice access deer. I mean, I, nice. I, I mean, that's like I don't, I don't see a problem with that at all. So it's not necessarily then the fact that high fencing is bad or sitting at a blind on a feeder is bad. It's lazy. It yeah. It's if kind you have of, the capability, your means of right harvesting. It's like, like if you have the capability to actually go hunt, and you choose to just do that. I just think you're lazy, and you just have money. So for me, like my goal, I think about what is my goal with heart with with hunting, and for most critters that I shoot, I have a pretty solid reason. Um, some of them, maybe not, but like things that I'm going to eat, that is reason enough for me to go out and shoot something. And when I look at why I shoot deer or even squirrels and rabbits and stuff, it's like, I am not doing this because I want to shoot something. It's like, I am doing this because I want to eat, you know? So my whole deal with deer is like, I really could care less about the antlers you know, like I really, you're, and in the end, like you're probably going to get better flavor with the dough, especially if it's during rut because of all the hormones everywhere. But like, I just, I'm, I'm, my goal is to fill a freezer and fill a freezer with something that I know was, you know, raised and it's fairly natural habitat. You could say feeders aren't natural, but you get the point that I'm saying. You know, and it had just as much of an opportunity as, as every other animal to not be shot. But it was just unlucky. Like, that was just the one. So that's, like, my my mindset going in. And, it, like, end of the season, if I'm trying to shoot something and I already have a deer or two in the bag, yeah, I will probably, you know, 
camel up and wander around the ranch and sit under a tree and get up and move. And like, I'm not going to be sitting there sitting on a feeder all day because there is there's a bit more challenge to moving, especially with whitetail and at our ranch with how, like how the scenery is, so to speak. But I, I just look at what my goal is and the means that I can take to get there. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. So you're willing to kill off like two year old bucks just cause? Um, no, see, that's the thing. I'm not just going to shoot like even with the deer, I'm not going to shoot just like anything. So if I'm in it, I, I was reading about um, meat wise, like what deer should you shoot? And something was saying like, typically I think year and a half is the age for the best like quality of meat pre-rut year and a half bucks and does. Um, and it gave, it said, I think does more so because the older does, if they have two fawns, they're more likely to raise those two fawns. Like they have that experience. They know what they're doing. So it's like, this was saying to leave your older does, leave your more mature does. Cause in the end you're going to, you're going to get better flavor and the older ones are going to be better at rearing children. Um, and then with bucks, like if I'm going to shoot a young buck, that is not something that I would mount, which I haven't ever really mounted anything, but like, I know we have a couple deer that one of the antlers is like straight up and one of them's out to the side. Like that's kind of the deer that I would shoot unless I was waiting for, you know, like a big, you know, mounting worthy deer, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I agree. I've, I mean, personally for me now, uh, I'll always go for quality. Um, especially as the season starts. So I kind of, I mean, if I'm going to shoot something, I want to shoot something nice as the season opens since you have more time to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say but nice, if I haven't gotten what, do you, anything, what do you mean by that? Like, you know, something I can... I mean, either... I mean, for sure, something like an 8-point. Uh, one of these ones comparable to the ones on my wall. Um <laughs> Or, or or if it's just an old deer too, um, but if I don't get anything towards the end of the season, I I'll probably just shoot a, a spike or something because I need meat. So you you are looking more at the rack than well, yeah, because I feel like especially as in, like in November, I mean, because you have more time to work with. So like if I don't get anything nice, then I still have time to get something to still get food. Sure. Okay. So you you're you do value the the food aspect of it, but you also value Oh, like, 100%. Hey, I could, but I could uh, put this on my wall as well. Well, yeah, but I mean it's like I don't see the point in shooting like a spike the second week of the season cuz I mean, yeah. you have 
yeah a ton of time to work with to get something better or relative yeah i guess well especially if that's going to be your I mean, only deer of the year and i mean some people don't like having spikes on their property and then you know what that's fine then i understand yeah it's a weird it's a weird man this one lizard has just been like running laps around this tree is the funniest thing to watch uh it's a weird thing like because everyone is gonna have their own opinion on it and they're gonna be like this is how i was raised and this is what's the right way to do it and then you go even like not even different states but you move around a state with the same hunting laws and stuff and you're gonna have different opinions and then you go to different states or whatever and then it then it's all all down the I mean, I know, I mean, I was always, I mean, we always had meat, so it was, like, never, like, a necessity to kill something on site. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually are low now, so that's why I'm more concerned. But I know I met a lot of people who, I mean, they see something and it has antlers. It it doesn't matter how big or how small they're killing it. And I'm just like, why? So only only bucks, though, at that point. I mean, yeah, but I mean, like they're killing like small bucks, like young bucks. I'm like, I don't get this. See, I, I think that's my thing is like, I don't I don't think I will discriminate between a buck or a doe. I also don't I don't want to harvest recklessly. Like, that's one thing I've been trying to figure out is numbers wise like a you know what can this environment hold sustain as far as you know counting my neighbors and like the vegetation available the feeders the protein if people are doing that like what can this sustain to produce healthy deer you know because if it's if it's a million deer in the, the next five square miles or whatever great but if it's 100 deer and we have 200 deer, then obviously I'm going to hunt it a little harder. So that's what I'm trying to figure out now is numbers-wise. Like, how many should I shoot? What kind of deer should I shoot? So, I don't know. How many deer are there now? I have no clue. It's been kind of thrown off with the pigs. We, we were getting a lot smaller numbers at the feeder. Um, like, two weeks ago even maybe three, we were getting probably 15 coming into a feeder at one time. And then like a different group of maybe eight to 10 or so, like these are kind of ballpark numbers, but large numbers of deer coming in and different groups coming in at different times of the day and night. So Mm -hmm. I would say for our ranch, like that's a lot, I feel like, because that's just on one feeder. That's one spot. So, I don't know. I I would honestly, like, I, I don't really know what our population should be. But just based on what I'm seeing, I would say it's it's fairly high. Right. And, I, you know, it's not like I'm only seeing does or only seeing bucks. Like, obviously, that's going to change as the season comes around. But um, I feel like I'm seeing a pretty good mix so yeah 
<sighs> I just don't think there's a right answer. There's probably a lot of wrong answers. But I don't know. Whatever you want to do, man, it's your property. I'm going to go. Honestly, that's what I, and if it's legal. Hunt, I was about to say I'm going to go hunt the deer with the thermal. That's illegal. I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I'm not. Lee, I know. I know you don't listen to this, the game warden and Coleman, but don't don't come after me. All right. This is a legal operation here. Uh, I had a. Uh, well, how ready are you to close out? Uh, ready when you are. I guess I don't know what the correct answer for that is. Okay. How about this? I'm gonna lob you up an idea and we can either talk about it now or think about it and talk about it later okay okay do you have the outdoor annual app no okay uh do you know what it is no okay so it's it's something put out by like texas parks and wildlife um and essentially it updates, you know, every so often, but it has your like all of your game species, fish and birds and deer included in all of their seasons. It's organized by county. It's actually right. super helpful. Super super. So they helpful. don't give you the book anymore? Well, you can get it on your phone. I'm sure you can still get the the book. Uh, I have not gotten one ever. I don't. Think. I have like ten books from like twenty ten to twenty eighteen. Okay, so you you know then what the outdoor annual is. Yeah, I guess it, I'm just used to the book. It would just like you could look up the county for special. Yeah, if you were hunting something. So, this lifts off like your game animals, your birds, your migratory birds, and then your other things like bighorn sheep, hares non-game animals, et cetera, stuff like that. So this would take an immense amount of planning. But at some point, I want to shoot or hunt, I guess is probably the better way of saying it. I want to hunt one of everything in one season. So from... It's hard, man. September 1st to August 31st, get one of everything good luck well i think it'd be i think it'd be a fun challenge and i don't think it would be super crazy especially not with how like like deer and turkey season are both fairly lengthy uh squirrel seasons all year long i think stuff like like a javelina or like a pronghorn. Those are going to be, and you got to get permits too. I maybe that should be. So I guess that's the point. It's like, what stipulations should I put on this? Like I need to apply for a permit for pronghorn. Should that be included in this? Yeah, there's a tag. But it doesn't come with, like the Texas Super Combo. I guess maybe that's what I should be looking at. It doesn't come with the super combo? No, you have to apply for pronghorn. Hmm. The harvest of pronghorn is by permit only. Um, 
Permits are issued to landowners or their agents in areas where there are huntable populations. Oh, Transpicos, Permian Basin, and Panhandle. Interesting. I wonder if I could... Can I shoot one in Midland? Yeah! I can get one. I don't know where I would shoot a pronghorn in Midland, Texas, but or Midland County. But You'll figure it out. I know. I, I just need a lot of money and a lot of time to do this. I think the birds are going to be the hardest. You think? Like, because there's ducks, uh, red drum. I don't even know what that is. Red drum's a fish. That's like what I went uh, down and fished with Jack. The red drum I don't think is going to be bad. How many fish are there? Uh, I actually don't even know how many fish tags. What are the other birds I was looking at? Okay, so there's in the in the fish category for saltwater fishing, they have a bag and length limit by species. And there's There's 20. And some of these, I think, are going to be a pain. Like, shark, I don't think is going to be bad. Sheep's head's not going to be bad. Trout's not going to be bad. Sailfish and marlin. And grouper. Yeah, but have fun catching a marlin. <laughs> yeah, see, like, I don't know. That That might be the ticket. I wonder if I need an additional permit, though. You're going to need there's, a bigger boat, that's for sure. There's no bag limit on blue marlin. Probably because they're so hard to catch. <laughs> the, position lim the possession limit is equal to double the bag limit. No limits on either blue or white marlin. Um, I don't think there's a season, though, as well. Interesting. Yeah, so that that's kind of the ticket is like, what am I going to, what do I include in this challenge and not include in this challenge? Again, I think that comes down to you at this point. Because I don't even know we could fish more. Well, that, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's kind of like a random fluke thing, but. I would definitely, at that point, I would need to get a charter or know someone who has the capabilities to go and fish marlin. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You want to close out? Sure. Um, you, you got your song? I don't... No. What? Do not. Uh, it's... Um, I'm definitely about to break something. Oh my gosh! I I I just picked one. Okay, lay it on me. I guess I'm ready. Uh, when you were young, by the Killers. Oh, great song. Good choice. That's a banger. Um, I I was gonna do Imagine Dragons, but I think I'm gonna go. Uh, it's called Mavis, M-A-V-I-S, by Nathaniel Ratliff.
Mavis by Nathaniel Rattler. It's a good vibe. Easy, easy listening. Not super intense, but this was a fun one, Nico. Thanks. No, thank you. Thank you. It's always a joy to get to chat, especially over. Thank you to the listeners. Yeah. Thank you, listeners. If you have any um, questions, comments, concerns about the show, feel free to reach out. Send in pictures of um, your hunts. Ooh, that's a fun one. What what do we should I have a theme or just any hunt that they want to send in? Any hunt, fish, bird, send it in. Okay. And if you know someone uh, who is willing to take me marlin fishing, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> Good luck. Um, but besides that, uh, thank you for listening again and have a great week and God bless.